Okay, can everyone hear me now? Give me a thumbs up. Yeah, good. Okay, fantastic. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back. It's uh, lovely to see you all back again. I hope you all had a meaningful Tisha B'Av. And uh, here we are in our second part of this series on Hilchot Shabbat. The overwhelming feedback from last week was that we would like to spend more time on the principles behind Kalei Psika about how to pass on Hilchot Shabbat. And like I said last week, once you know all the Kalim which we're going to learn, then three quarters of questions of a Chod Shabbat um, are really, are no longer, you know, you can answer yourself. So it's about getting the principles. We're going to spend, as I said, the last week, the first two, but we're going to spend a bit more, first three or four shiurim on the, on the principles of the Melechet Machashevet, and then we will um, move on to the Muhalacha Lema'aseh. So has everyone got the source sheets? Yeah, I can see someone's just put it in the, Freddie, thanks for putting it in the, in the chat. So you, everyone can see it. We're going to be going through the sources. But just to, before that, let's remind ourselves briefly what we discussed last week. Last week, we went through the, the core principle of Shabbat is Melechet Machashevet. That's the, that's the main idea. I've just copied that source once more on the, on the source sheet, um, which is where? Whiteboard? Um, share screen. Good. Okay, thank you. So, um, as we said last week, the Gran Betza, Melechet Mahshevet Asera Torah. Torah cares about Melechet Mahshevet, about your mind. And we said, uh, someone asked, you know, what the sources of this, and I said, we're going to go through each one, we're going to see the sources for each one. So, we said there are six parts of Melechet Mahshevet. Uh, they are firstly mitkaven, you have intention what you're doing. Number two is tzrichaligufa. Number three is metaken. It's useful. Number four, it's kedarka. It's the normal way of doing it. Number five, mitkayem. It's permanent. Number six, lomitasek. You're not doing it without knowing what you are doing. Uh, and last week we spent the entire shiur on number one, mitkaven. We went through davarshen mitkaven. The machloket bishimon biyuda. We went through the concept of psikreshe, karov psikreshe. If you recall, and I'm also going to be more conscious of uh, giving the Ashkenazi Psak as well, so I know there's a varied group here. So, in conclusion, we said last week that we are matir straight out, and Ashkenazim are more with that, and they need that's basically what we talked about last week. We also talked about a doubt of the psikreshe or not. Tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to finish number one. We're going to talk about psikreshe through a goy. We're going to talk about psikreshe with a gerama. We'll talk about what that means. And then we'll move on to number two, tzrichali gufa, which is lots to talk about. And then we'll move on to number three, mitaken. So the plan tonight is to get through, finish off number one, and then two and three. As always, feel free to ask any questions as we go along. So... Let's everyone on the source sheet. So we are finishing mid kavent. So we go up to psikreshe bamira leakum. So we know amira leakum is an isur derabbanan. There are three reasons in the rishonim why it's forbidden to tell a non-Jew to do something for you on Shabbat. The main reason, the main two reasons are that it's your shaliach mid Although a goy enbosh lichut, a goy can't be a shaliach. He cannot be in a misery. Nonetheless, hachamim established that. For the purposes of Shabbat, if you ask a goy to do something for you, it's attributed to you. 
The second reason why the Rishonim say the Chachamim forbade telling a non-Jew to do something on Shabbat is because of the Pasuk in Yeshaya, which we say on Shabbat, with the way you speak on Shabbat needs to be a different way to how you speak the rest of the week. And so if you start telling the Goy to do things on Shabbat, then that's taking away from Shabbat. So you can't tell a Goy to do something. Nonetheless, it's mutar, we see in the Ramah, to tell a non-Jew to do something when it's a psik resheh that he's going to violate in his soul. So let's see the Ramah here. Lachen nohagim she'akum motziot, motzina kderot minatanurim shematminim bahem. The goyim take the, the pots of food, they put it on the, on the stove, and then they light the fire underneath. How can you do this? You're asking the goyim to eat the food. No, you're not asking the goyim to eat the food. The Ramah quoting the Tirumata Deshan here is not talking about where you're asking the goyim to eat the food. That's a soup. Rather, we're talking about a case where it's very cold, we will learn when it's cold, straight away we assume that a person is going to become ill, and therefore we allow you to tell a non-Jew explicitly to switch the heating on or to stoke the fire. And so it's very cold, and so we're asking the goyim to come and heat the fire. Great. But before they do that, let them put the pot of food on the stove. And yes, when they are, uh, when they are stoking the fire, when they're igniting the fire, they're doing it, so that we are hot, and that we don't become cold, we don't become ill. But at the same time, inevitably, you're also going to heat up the food. But they're not, we're not telling them to stoke the fire and ignite it in order to heat up the food. That would be a soup. That would be a regular amira la'aku. That would be forbidden. Rather, what we're telling them is it's cold. We need the heating on to so come and light the fire. And whilst you're anyway lighting the fire, put the uh, pot on. And then when you lighten the fires to give us heat, it will automatically heat up the food as well. And that's called a psikreshe bamiralakum. So you're telling the goy to do something, and amiralakum, he's going to do. So coming back to the example we talked about last week with the lights in the fridge, leaving aside psikreshe, leaving aside loni hale, bidrabanan. You know, some people asked after the shur on the, on the Discord, they asked, does it apply to all bulbs? And I said, no, that's correct. We're talking about LEDs, which are all fridges today. But true, if it was a Dorita, if it was a red hot bulb in the fridge, it would be a problem. But what you could do, even in such a case, you could explicitly, explicitly, not hint, you could explicitly ask the non-Jew, can you open my fridge, please, because I'd like to get the food. And then he opens the fridge, you take the food out, and whilst he opens the fridge, the light comes on. That's fine, because that's an inevitable consequence of asking the goy to do something which he's allowed to do, opening the fridge. Psik the light will come on, that's mutar. And that's always Mishnah, Mishnah Berura says this quite clearly. So even though we've said psik is a sur, nonetheless, through amira la'akum, it is permissible to do. So whenever you have something which you're allowed to ask the non to do, or to hint at. And inevitably, by doing what you're hinting or asking him to do, a melacha will be transgressed, but you're not asking him to do that. To do that. that is mutar to do on Shabbat. It's psik lakum, and is mutar. Any questions on that? That's pretty straightforward. Now we move on to the final part of number one, and that's psik bigrama. So before we get to psik we have to talk about gerama in general. 
So we're going to digress for a few minutes, talk about Gerama, and then come back to Pesik Rishin. So the Mishnah in Shabbat is very clear. It says, with regards to a fire, you have a fire, so Tanakama say, ben 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 rekanim So you got the fire coming on one side of the room. So what you do is, is put there jugs and vessels of water. And then by the time the fire comes, it will extinguish of its own accord. Of course, it goes without saying, if there's any, today the poskim say that a fire is sakanat nefashot, and as soon as there's a fire, you can do everything. In those days, it wasn't so straightforward because not every fire was a sakanat nefashot. There were houses and isolated, uh, they were isolated and not the chance that we have to, if you have one house on fire, that everything will, 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 will go ablaze. So today it's different. But in those days, it wasn't an automatic sakanat nefashot. So you can't straight out extinguish the fire. What you can do though, says the Tanakama, is put some water there with the intention that the water, when, the, when the fire comes to the water, the water will automatically extinguish the fire. Rabbi Yosef said, he forbids Rabbi Yosef. Says the Gemara, asks the Gemara, that we find Rabbi Yosef allows you, even if you have a Shem, you have the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu on your body, you have a Tevilah Shel Mitzvah to do. Keri or a woman needs to go to Tevilah Shel Mitzvah. Then you can go to the Mikveh. Rabbi Yosef Omer, La'olam yored v'tover k'darko. Obimach lo yishav shef. Obviously, when you're in the mikveh, you can't start rubbing the name off. You're not allowed to rub a name. It's in parasha in a few weeks' time. Parasha So, says the Gemara, how does Rabbi Yosei allow it? If here in Shabbat, he doesn't allow you to do gerama. He doesn't allow you to put the, the jugs of water in order to make the, the fire extinguish. What's the difference? Says the Gemara, because the pasuk says, you can't rub out, you can't, do an action of rubbing out God's name. Only doing, but indirect, you go into the mikveh and the water indirectly rubs the name off, that's fine. If so, with Shabbat, it says the same. You're right. There's a different reason why the Biyosei doesn't allow it. The conclusion of the Gemara is that both Tanakama and the Biyosei hold that when the Torah says, Lo shari, which means that the Torah only forbade you to do an action on Shabbat. For something to happen indirectly is permissible on Shabbat. That's the conclusion of the Gemara. Why does the Biyo say not allow it in this case to the fire? A special reason is that because you're going to end up doing other things, whatever, we don't have to go into the reason. But the point is, is that alma, all opinions hold that it's true that on Shabbat, the Torah only forbade actions, not gerama, not indirect. Now, with regards to the exact definition, what does gerama mean? There is a discussion about that. We're not going to go into it. The simple way of understanding, the Sahabadya understands and Rov HaPoskim understand, the gerama means it doesn't happen aut automatically. It doesn't happen immediately. It takes time to happen. So, classical example given in the Poskim is, you have on Sukkot, you have your uh, roof, uh, over your sukkah, it was raining over the night, you close the sukkah roof, and now you want to, it's Shabbat day, you want to open the roof. Now, if your sukkah is on the grass, you have a bit, you have an issue, because when you open your sukkah, it's full of rain, full of water, that water's not going to go on the grass, it's going to water the grass, it's going to be toledet zorea, which is asur. So you can't do that. You wouldn't be allowed to open the sukkah, because this would be what we talked about last week, psikreshe zorea, In, inevitably you're watering the grass. What you can do, though, 
is put something for the water to land on before it lands on the grass. So if you have, for example, the sukkah on some concrete, you're going to open the sukkah, it's going to fall on the concrete floor, and then it's going to trickle down into the grass. That's mutar, because that's gerama, it's indirect. It's not happening that as you open the roof, the rain falls onto the grass. Rather, the rain falls onto the concrete floor and then trickles down into the grass. That's indirect, that's gerama, that's mutar. Seemingly, from our gemara, that's mutar. That's the simple way of understanding the concept of gerama. Harambam is posekris the halacha. He says um, on the source sheet, "Mutar laasot perik yudbet alachadalet mutzal laasot mechitza bechol akelim ben meleim ben rekanim kedesh lo taavora delika." You can make, you can put there many jugs of water so the fire won't pass. Why? Shegram kibui mutar gerama. Indirect, you're not extinguishing the fire. You're putting the water there, and then the fire comes and is extinguished by the water. It's not happening immediately. Therefore, it is going to be mutar. That's what Haram Bamis posek. The Shohan Aruch says the same, and it's important to pay attention to the words of the Shohan Aruch here. It says Maran in 334.22, Tevasha has baha'ur, you have a box with a fire. Yechol lifros or shel gedi mitzida ha'chad shel saref. Ve'osim mechitza b'chol ha'kelim. You can make a wall of utensils of watering. Why? Because it's a gerama, it's mutar. Adds in the rama, this is the rama, in a case where there's loss. So this is important to understand. This is a mahlokit yushonim. When the gemara says, we saw in the gemara earlier on, that asiyahu asur ha-gerama sharet. The Torah only forbade you to do an action, but not indirect. What does that mean? Does that mean indirect is mutar straight out? Or does it mean it's not the same liability as doing an action? Rova Rishonim understood the Gemara, simple meaning. That you can't do an action, but Gerama, indirect action, is mutar. That's what the Rova Rishonim understand. However, Mordechai, Benu Mordechai Bar Hillel Ashkenazi um, from the 13th century, he quotes Rabenu Yoel, who says that this whole heter of Geramai's mutar is only mutar because of the loss of your, of your house, of your utensils in your house, the clothes in your house. Otherwise, Gerama, true, it's not the same as an Asiyah, it's not the same as an action, and therefore it's not a Sulmi Torah, but it's a Sulmi here, because of the delika, because of the fire, Hachamim allowed it. That's the opinion of Rabbeinu Yoel, which the Mordechai quotes, and which the Ramah quotes as well. So it's clear for Ashkenazim, Gerama is not mutar straight out. Gerama is only mutar when there's a loss, or there's a mitzvah involved, then we say Gerama is mutar. However, straight out Gerama, just to allow it of its own accord, would not be permissible according to Ashkenazim. Now you should know, even amongst Ashkenazim, many disagreed with the Rama. The Tureza Hav says quite clearly, he says, He's got no friends with this. And no one agrees with him in this. This is his, uh, this is his sole opinion. Right? And the Taz disagrees. He says, Geramah is mutar, Geramah is mutar, full stop. The Vilna Gaon seems to, say, seems to say the same as well. Having said all of that, what do you think is the opinion of Maran? If we just take the words of Maran, 
What would you say? On a simple reading of Maran, I would say the Gerama is Mutar. Correct? That's a simple reading. It doesn't, it doesn't qualify it uh, only in a place of a loss or whether there's a mitzvah. It says straight out Gerama is Mutar, seemingly. However, they have, there are Ahronim who argue, Munuhata Hava, Moshe Levi, for example, argues that Maran is talking about a case of a fire. You can't bring this as an example to other Gerama. Maran implicitly, although he doesn't say it explicitly, implicitly agrees to the Rama because Maran is talking about a case of a fire. He didn't write this in other cases of Gerama. So Maran, in essence, does agree with the Rama that Gerama is only mutar from a kompesedah. Interestingly, Hamavadiyah does take this on, the halakha. He doesn't allow a Gerama straight out. Hamavadiyah in Yabia Omer, it's on the street. In Yabia Omer, if we go down a bit, um, he says, Yabia Omer in Gimel, Yudchet, Sifkatan Chet, and the same is in Yakut Yosef. They both do not allow Gerama by itself. So there, Hamavadiyah talks about a timer, Shabbat timer. So you've set your Shabbat timer on Friday night and you realize you've set it for 12 at night. Now you want to go to sleep at 10 o'clock. So obviously you can't move the timer forward to 10 o'clock. So you're going to cause the lights to go off straight away. But can I press the, the buttons on the timer and bring it forward the time at 10.30? So in half an hour's time, the light will go off. So I'm not directly causing the lights to go off. I'm pressing these switches on the timer, which will then cause in half an hour's time for the timer to go off. Is that mutar or not? So Hamvadia says, the other way around is mutar. So to extend something is permissible. So let's say I have my Sha'on Shabbat, my timer on, it's on till 12 o'clock. I have guests, and I look at the time, it's 11.45, and every time we go to, I want to spend another hour together. So then I can quickly go, before it goes off, I can quickly go and press it down a few more buttons to extend it to one o'clock. Because there I am extending something that's mutar. Yes, some poskim don't allow because of mukzeh, but this Hamavad has opinion, and Shemizam and Orbach as well, for the Ashkenazim out there as well, Shemizam and Orbach holds the same, that you can also do that as well, you can extend it. So you can press, it's not mukzeh, there's no problem here, you can extend it. Someone on my on the Discord channel asked about an ice tray with ice cubes, um, where if you take the ice cubes out early, it's going to it to continue to produce more ice cubes. It's exactly the same scenario. It's mutar as well. You're continuing an existing scenario and that's mutar to do. So here as well, they both say you can extend it. But to bring it out earlier, even though it's not going to happen immediately, it's going to take time. It's gerama. Still, we don't allow that unless the person's not feeling, wants to go to sleep early or etc. Something like that. But just for something small, extra half an hour, it's not going to be a big difference in your bill. That's not going to allow you to, uh, to do that. So interestingly, our poskim, both Ashkenazim and Sfaradim, do take on the gerama by itself. We don't allow straight out. We only allow it with a combination of a hole, a keseda, a loss, a mitzvah, something like that. Then we allow it, but not of its own accord. And the bi'u halakha, earlier on on the source sheet, says two important things. Number one, he says, the gerama is mutara filo if you have a look at the bold. I mean, because think about the fire case, you're actually putting the, the utensils there to, your intention is to extinguish, not happening indirectly, I didn't know about it. You're intentionally doing it, still mutar to do when there's a pesedah, when there's a loss, when there's a mitzvah. 
uh, and he brings a few proofs for that. And the second Whoever we hold here with Gerama, applies to all Gerama. And therefore we can come out to Halakha. We have a principle that the Torah only forbade Asiyah, you doing something. You do something indirectly where it takes time to happen. Everyone agrees it's not a sur from the Torah. It's a mahlokit rishonim, whether it's mutar straight out, or as Abenu Yoel said, it's a sumidah banan, but only mutar in a place of loss, mitzvah, or choleh. Uh, the Ashkenazim are definitely posek like this opinion, as the Ramah does. Sfaradim, the Maran, it's not so straightforward, but as I said, the consensus of many of the poskim, although many disagree, some poskim do allow it straight out, shut zera imet, Bishomera Kohen Modina from Italy, from the uh, early 19th century, allows Gerama straight out, and that's a tziruf, does add sometimes, but the, the default position is the Gerama, we don't rely on it just for no particular reason. There has to be uh, something else to allow a Gerama to be mutar. Clear? That's only on Shabbat. When Yom Tov, much more lenient. Look at the Rema. Rema says, this is in Chot, in Chot Yom Tov. This is, if you have a look on the source sheet, number 14, I think it is. Or Hayim 514. Everyone can see on this. Good. If it's already windy, you can't put the candle there. It's going to directly cause it to be extinguished. But when you can do it, put the candle there. And you know it's going to be windy later on in the evening, and that would extinguish it. Why? That's Gerama. Similarly, Gerama is a sword. Says the Mishnah Berura, Sheachol Lishlot Kshavo, Vetam Haiter, Mishum Deinoel Geram, Kibui Baalma. It's a Gerama. And they don't have the Sharat Zion Safari here. But if you have a look at the Sharat Zion here, he says the reason being is because it's Yom Tov, we move Mekel. And with Yom Tov, we are Mekel to say Gerama is Mutar straight out. He brings many poskim again. This seems to be the, the final opinion of the Mishnah Berura that on Yom Tov, even for Ashkenazim, on Yom Tov, Gerama would be mutar. So coming back to our Sukkot case, if it's on a Shabbat, you have the problem because you couldn't. Well, it would be it would be a normal it would normally be a makom mitzvah. Let's say you have a hut during the week during the year. You have a hut, yeah, which you use for leisure, and and then you want to open it on Shabbat morning, and it's full of rain. So, can I allow it to fall to allow it fall on the grass would be asur. Can I allow it to fall on the concrete and then trickle down into the grass? So. What's the reason? They wouldn't be allowed to do it. Gerama is not mutar for no, for no particular reason. It's not sukkah during the year. You just want to sit in your sukkah. That wouldn't be allowed. Correct? Yom Tov, you would be allowed. Gerama. Even for the Ashkenazim, you would be allowed. Straight out. Even without Holland. Straight out. Good point. On Yom Tov, you could flick around with the, with the time as long as you're not doing it. As long as you're switching it off. You can flick around even without chole, without saka, without peseda, without it's all good point. Yom Tov is more lenient because of all the reasons which we know, and therefore that's mutar. Why am I talking about all of this in the context of number one, Because now I come to the point of the Minhaj Shomor, Shem Zaman, and Hamavadia. Both say the same thing. They say a logical conclusion. They say, look, we learned earlier on, beginning of this year, 
להפסיק רשם באמירה לעקום זה מותר. Correct? Now, אמירה לעקום is certainly more severe than גרמה. Correct? Because some, most hold that גרמה is straight out מותר. אמירה לעקום is definitely in סוד רבנן. If already we find that פסיק רשם with a um, with the אמירה לעקום is מותר, כל שכן פסיק רשם בגרמה מותר. Okay? And therefore, that's the principle we need to remember. Psik reshe bigrama is mutar. Lekule alma. In all cases. And therefore, let's come back to our Sukkot case. Our hut case during the year. So now, it will be mutar to open the hut. Even, even during the year, even there's no mitzvah. Why? Because why am I doing? I'm opening the hut because I want to sit in the hut. Not because I'm trying to water the grass. If you were doing it to water the grass, that would be a gerama, and that would be a mahlok. Here, I'm doing it on a sit in the, in the hut. I open it, it falls on the concrete, it trickles down into the grass. So it's a psik reshet, it's an inevitable consequence of my action, indirect, mutar, even without pesida, without mitzvah, without chole, mutar straight out. No, you couldn't do that. That'll be psik reshet. I'll be straight up psik reshet. To fall straight out onto the grass would be psikreshe. That wouldn't be mutar. We'd have to be on the concrete, then on the grass. Ah, okay, fine. That's something else. Good. You could, good point. You could, if if there's huts on the grass, you could ask the goy to come and open the hut. Presuming you're not, you've got no intention of watering your grass. What you're doing is you want to sit in the hut. You could ask the goy come and open the hut for me. He's opening the hut. Psikreshe. It will water the grass. That's fine. Psikreshe bamirala kum mutar. Good. One final point with regards to Gerama, and then we'll summarize everything with Gerama. We'll take questions. Have a look at the Gemara on your source sheet from Baba Kama. So, and uh, well, just let me just finish this point. I can see the questions. Let me just finish this point, and then we will uh, take questions. Baba Kama says, So you, this is talking about the Zakim, not Shabbat, it's talking about, you know, you caused fire to damage someone's property. So you blew and the wind also blew. If there was in your blowing enough to make it uh, pass on the fire, if it's not enough by yourself, it's patur. Why are you patur? Let me translate in English. Am I? Why, why, if you have a combination of you and the wind, you're patur with damages, why isn't this like Zoreh? What's Zoreh? Zoreh is winnowing. The sixth melacha is winnowing, which means they would take the, after threshing the pods, they would then throw it in the air, and with the, with the wind, it would separate the heavier particles from the, the pebbles, from the uh, less heavy articles, from the, from the seeds which you wanted. That's Zoreh. And Zoreh, we know, is a sur from the Torah, it's one of the Melachot. So why, when you throw it in the air, you're throwing it with your energy? Combination of the wind, it's a combination. Zoreh can't happen without the wind. Winnowing needs the wind. Nonetheless, you're Hayab. So why, even when you have an Ezekiel, even if it's a combination of you and the wind, why you patur? There's four answers in the Gab, the Hushrin take on the fourth answer of Asher Amar, 
כי אמריאן זוהב רוח מסייעתו, הנה מילא לעניין שבת דרך תמשל סתה תורה. אבל אחר גרמה בעל מהו, זה כתוב. דיסטינגוויש, רבשי דיסטינגווישס בטווין נזקין דמג'ס ושבת. מה הדיסטינגשן? אקספיינס דה ראש. really important principle when it comes to Gerama is that the Hatam Melechet Mahshavet Esra Torah with Shabbat Torah Fabed Mahshavet Alpha Pidrav El Gerama Balma Behachi Chiyeva Torah Kevan De Melacha Zor Ikari Setar Deruah That's the way you do the Melacha of winnowing The way you do the Melacha of winnowing is a combination of you with the wind It's a combination of Gerama Therefore Yohayah The derech, the way of this melacha is done with ruach, with a gerama, with a combination. Therefore, it's a sur from the Torah, hayav. And from this Torah principle, that any melacha where the derech is for it to take time to happen, then you don't have the leniency of gerama. So most melachot, you do straight away. Borer, you select, you do it. Makepotish, you bang, you build, you write. You're doing it immediately. But some melachot, the very essence of the melacha is that it's done through a gerama. Classical example is hunting. You walk into your house. You walk into your field. There's a deer there. You want the deer. You close the door. That's indirectly you're trapping him. But that's the derech of tzedah. That's the way you trap. That's the way of hunting. Therefore, that, that you're not going to say gerama. That's going to be a melacha. Bishul, think about bishul. You put the, the food on the fire. It's going to take a few hours to cook. We don't say that's gerama. I just put the food down. What did I do? It didn't cook. It took three hours to cook. Now we don't say gerama. That's part of the process, part of the melacha, and therefore here you do not have the leniency of gerama. So it's important always to understand that gerama isn't just uh, indirect, straight out, fine. Okay? If it's a part of the process, it's not muta. Let me summarize everything we have said before we move on. That's the end of psikresha number one. Let me summarize all of that. We'll take questions. So we've said... is that is mutar. So I can tell a guy to open my fridge, even though it's got a red hot light in it, and the light will come on, nonetheless, and ask him to open the fridge mutar. We've said that gerama, whether it's, it's definitely not a surah from the Torah, it's mahlokid yushonim, whether it's mutar straight out or not. The consensus of the poskim is only to allow it makom pseda, loss, hole, ill, or mitzvah. Yom tov more lenient on. But psikreshe bigrama is mutar. So if I'm doing a gerama and it's not straight to the gerama, so it's not like I'm putting the utensils of water in front of the fire and then the fire is going to come. Rather, I'm doing something and indirectly it will cause it to happen. It's a psikreshe, it's inevitable and it's indirect, then it's mutar. And finally, we said is that some melachot, their very nature is to be a process. And in that case, you don't have the leniency of gerama. Okay, let's take some questions. So Zev says, had the exact same questions over Shabbat. Which question? When the, uh, what if the ice tray is full and it wouldn't have made more ice, but for taking out the ice that's in the bin? So it's, if, Johnny, if it stopped and now you're taking out, it's going to cause the common, now it'd be a soup. If it's anyway still processing, it's still making the ice cubes and you take it out, that's fine. Even without any... That's fine, because you're just extending something. What you wouldn't be able to do is cause it to come off earlier. Unless there was a loss of money, et cetera. Then it would be more time. Same thing. Exactly. Same thing. Same, yeah. But to indirectly come on with the big mutar, unless there's... Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Is that Gavaldig? You've got that? Yeah. Good. Okay. Any other questions? Would you be able to ask a kid to do it? To do what? Do what? I said it's Mortada ice cube. No, this is a, I, I, we're not going to this now, but let me just tell you, asking children is an absolute misconception. It's a, in 99% of cases, asking children is as bad as you doing it. Well, it's not as bad because you, if you do it, you'll be Hayab Skila, whereas a child will only be a sur from the Torah. But it's, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's exactly the same as sur. Very rarely will there be a difference. That's a, you know, you see this all the time, people making this mistake. The child, the Torah says, Says the Gemara, if it's been Chabitash, it's telling daughters over Barbara, that's you, that's Atta. The Torah is telling you Atta, you can't tell your child to do something. Right? With certain Drabbanans, with the mitzvah, we'll ask a child to do it. There's a Biwara Chaim 342 about that, which some rely on to ask a child. Okay, you know, the advantage of a child is that it brings it down from a Hayav Skila to a Surdoraita. It's a Surdoraita. So that doesn't really make a difference. So you're saying there's no difference in Shalai from the Rabbanah because... Um, with what? With Psikreshe? With Grama? Oh. Yeah? Yeah? So it's Mortar even with the Psikreshe with Grama and Mortar with the Correct. Um, Red hot light, you could open the fridge if you're doing it to get the fruit inside. If you're not, yeah. Uh, no, you could ask the guy to do it. You ask the guy to do it. You can do it yourself because it's red hot. That'll be Psikreshe. Well, I can ask, is there any weight attributed to intention? So, this whole thing is intention. So, for example, in the in the in the case that you gave with the sukkah, so if I understood you correctly, someone who goes into the sukkah just because they want to sit in the sukkah, and they open the and they open the roof, and the water falls onto concrete and then onto the grass, right? If it was the intention of the person going in to sit in the sukkah and not to water his garden, then it's mutankas grima Excellent. But Say he wanted, say he wanted to water the garden as well. In a real life situation, people have mixed motives. Good. He wants to sit in the sukkah. He knows he's also got a garden and it's hot outside and the grass is getting dry and he's going to benefit because it's a little bit like Michale that we've said. There's going to be some benefit from the, the garden he wanted. How do you deal with Excellent mixed question. intentions? Very good question. The main thing is, is what are you doing it for? Right? Am I doing this? Am I opening the roof? To sit in the sukkah, and then I'm happy that my grass gets watered. That's a psikreshe. Then but the grammar muta for mitzvah. Yeah, that would be muta. Or am I doing it primarily because I want to water my grass? And I'm using the sukkah as an excuse. That would be then. That's a, that's not psikreshe. That's you're doing an action of watering grass by opening your roof and falling directly on. There's no difference between that and taking a hose. Same thing. So the question is, what's your, what's your primary intention and what's, by the way, I'm also benefiting from it. If, when you're doing it, you have intention both equally, it's a sukkah. If I open my roof to sit in the sukkah and I equally thinking I want to water my garden, that would be a sukkah. That's not psikreshe, that's you're doing the action of watering your garden. Normally, it's not what people think. I want to open my sukkah. And by the way, I'm happy that my water gets... It gets uh... Okay, we'll take one more question. We've got lots to do. So Simon, yeah, Simon... Your question? In, in the light of what you just said, how does the Ramaz thing with the Amiral Goy and Psycrochet work? Because there you are intending to heat the thing. 
I mean, if you look so at the, the guy system, is doing it, it, it the guy is doing it, not me. Yeah, but if you look at the system as a whole, then your intention, you're setting things up with the intention of having the. Uh, um, yeah, but I'm not doing it. Uh, it's not like I'm asking the guy to switch the heating on because I want to heat up my food. It's freezing cold. We need the heating on. I call Holly Metzilatina. So I'm allowed to ask the guy. Now, the guy is. It, it, like the case you just said with the sukkah on the grass, that you, you also want the food to be head up and you're, you're setting things up so the guy causes that to happen. I don't see how. how so if you have a look at the Ramah, he doesn't say that you are setting it up, you are putting it there. The guy's putting it there. Let's have a look at the Ramah again. You wouldn't be allowed to do that. You're right. Because that would be clearly, you know, it's the guy who's intending to do that. And because the guy is doing it and is anyway switching it on, you can tell him once he's put the, 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 thing, the thing on, you can tell him, please switch on the, please switch it on. You're right. If your intention was equally to become hot and also to heat up your food, then that wouldn't be mutar. You're right. But we're not talking about such a case. We're talking about a case where the guy's going to put it on. I'm freezing cold. I need heating on. By the way, I'm going to enjoy the fact that it's going to also heat up my food as well. So that's fine. That's a psikre share. I wouldn't be allowed to tell the guy it's freezing cold. You know, please put the pots on the, on the fire and then you know, switch it on. That would be an equal intention. Okay, fine. Let's move on now to our second point. Let's move on to our second point now. Uh, uh, in Melechet Machshevet, and that is the principle of Melacha Sheina Tzricha Legufa. So this is a key point as well. And I chose this one, the second one, because there's lots to talk about. The rest are easier. So we'll spend quite some time on this one. So what is a Melacha Sheina Tzricha Legufa? That's number one. Let's see the source for it. What's the source for this concept? Says the Mishnah in Hagiga, Hilchot Shabbat, Hagiga, Omeamilot, Harin Karim Trim Besara, Shemikra Muat Barachot Mirubot. Hilchot Shabbat, this, you know, there's very little scripture on it, but there's so many halachot. Ask the Gemara later on, what do you mean there's little? There's, the, the halachot are there. Lot Sericha. No, there are cases which are not explicit. Damar of Abba, Hafer Guma Bishabbat, Ben Sari El Afra, Paturalea. Do you dig a hole in the earth on Shabbat? Normally, when you dig a hole on the earth on Shabbat, what's your intention? You want to plant in the hole. Here you are, you are digging the hole in order to take the earth to go and use somewhere else. You want to use the earth somewhere. So you're not digging in order to make that hole, to plant in it. You're digging. That's patur. You're not going to be hayav on that. This follows the Bishimon who says, Melacha sheina tzichar gufa patur aleha. Says the Gemara, Filotemar Bioda. You can even say that this follows the opinion of Bioda who holds Melacha Shinat Sukhar Gufa Hayav. Hatam Metaken, Hacham Metalkelhu. So here, the reason why Bioda, who normally holds Melacha Shinat Sukhar Gufa, is Hayav, and I'm going to explain in a moment what that means, why here he agrees it's Patur, not Hayav, is because you're being Metalkel, you're destroying. You know, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're powering up earth. You know, it's not good for the field. Therefore, he will agree your pattern. But the question is, what is this concept? So that's the source. This Gemara is the source for the concept of Melachah Shinat Sechal Gufa, 
and also for the concept of mekalkel. Now, mekalkel means you, you're doing something destructive, then you're not hayaf in the Torah. And that's one of the six criteria we said last week. Now, what does it mean, melacha sheina tzicha legufa? What's the definition? What does this mean? So Rashi in Shabbat explains, talking about taking out a dead body from one reshut, one domain to another domain. You can't take carry on Shabbat, but taking out a dead body is melacha shitzcha legufa. What does that mean? Whenever you're doing a melacha, not because you want the melacha, but you want to get rid of something, that's called melacha sheina tzicha legufa. So I'm taking out this body from public domain to private domain or vice versa. I don't want the dead body. I want to get rid of it. I want to move it on. I'm being miselek something. I'm getting rid of something. That is the definition according to Rashi and Harambam as well of melacha sheina tzicha legufa. Tosfot has a very different interpretation. Tosfot ties it back to the Melachot and the Mishkan. I'm not going to read the whole thing. If we just have a look here, he says, the definition of Melacha Sheinatzicha is a Melacha which is done for a different purpose than in the Mishkan. That's the definition. So in the Mishkan, why did they dig? Why did they plow? They dug because they wanted to sow the seeds in order to plant, in order to create the, fab in order to create the dye, to dye the fabric of the Mishkan. We're not going into now, you know, where was the digging and the planting in the in the midbar? That's a question which is dealt with. And uh, the simple answer, different answer. Simple, some say miracle. The simple answer is very is that it's the process of how non-miraculously how you would, if not in the midbar, how they would have had to get it. But that's a discussion for all the time. The point is, is that any melacha which is done for a different purpose than in the mishkan is called melacha sheina tzichalugua. That's the opinion of Tosfot. So let's take for example, if you are hunting, you're trapping a, uh, a mosquito. So that's a classical melacha shinatzicha regufa. Why is that a melacha shinatzicha regufa? According to Rashi, the reason is because you're not doing it because you're on the mosquito, you're doing it lesalka like dead body, getting rid of the dead body, getting rid of the mosquito. According to Tosfot, the reason why it's a melacha, there's not going to be enough kemina lahalacha, it's just the reasoning behind it. According to Tosfot, the reason why it's a melacha shinatzicha is because you're doing it for a different purpose in the mishkan. In the Mishkan, they trapped in order to use what they trapped. They trapped the animals in order to use their hides for the one of the roofs of the Mishkan. Here, however, you're not doing it to use it. It's a different purpose than in the Mishkan. Hence, it's a Melacha Sheina Tzichalagufa. These are two different understandings of the concept of Melacha Sheina Tzichalagufa. Rambam learns like Rashi, by the way. So another example, if I, one of the toladot of dash, the fifth melacha is to thresh. Tolada of threshing is to express milk, human or animal milk. So you can't express animal milk on Shabbat. It's a sword from the Torah. Tolada of dash of threshing is threshing out the milk from the, from the animal. It's forbidden by the Torah to do so. Say you, you, uh, express milk, not because you want the milk, but because the animal is in pain. So it's mutar. I'm not going to, not now the reason why it's mutar, but this is a classical melacha shinatzichal gufa. Why? According to Rashi and the Rambam, you're not doing the melacha because you want the milk. You're trying to get rid of the milk because the milk is causing pain to the cow. According to Tosfot, 
The reason why it's mechashash al gufa is because you're doing it for a different purpose than in the mishkan. In the mishkan, they would thresh in order to use what they are threshing, to use the milk, to use the beans of the pods. Uh, in here, you're threshing, you know, expressing the milk, not to use the milk, but to get rid of the milk. So, you utilize it as you for that reason? Good question. Um, strictly speaking, if you're, if you, no, you're not allowed to do it. You're not, no, sorry, you don't have to do it. In fact, they say, so Meikaradin, you can just express and go to waste. But some even say you have to actually, as soon as it comes out, be a waste, just in case you end up using it. So Hazanish says you have to actually put something in, you know, like some poison or something, and straight as it's, it's inedible. But you, no, you can't, because then, back of your head, that's, that's what, um, that's what Nasser's asking, because you're doing it for two reasons. You're doing it to release the uh, pain, but you're also doing it for the milk. So it's, that's, op- that's not a, uh, that's, uh, you're on both. So that's Melachashi Hatzichal Gufa. So this is a Mahlokit in the Gemara, Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Yehuda. According to Rabbi Shimon, Melacha Gufa Patur, Rabbi Yehuda Hayab. Who does the Halakha follow? Tell me, who's been listening to the Shurim of last week and can tell me who the Halakha follows? Why Rabbi Shimon? Can everyone hear what we're saying here? Uh, ask can, can everyone hear what, what attendees here in person are saying? No, they can't. Okay, so let's ask the people on Zoom then. Okay. What, uh, who does the halakha follow? Rabbi Shimon or Rabbi Yehuda? Who should the halakha follow? Someone, please. No, has you. Sorry? Jordan. Jordan, why Rabbi Shimon? It was uh, Shimon in, Sh- in Shabbat, right? Excellent. We said last week. Even though normally halakha Rabbi Yehuda in Shas. Mahogit in Shabbat, very good. Rabbi Shimon Rabbi Yehuda, halakha Rabbi Shimon. Almost all the Rishonim are Pasek like Rabbi Shimon. The Gaonim, Rabbi Gaon, Ben Hananel, Ramban, Ramban, Ravad, Rosh. So many. Because of this cloud, because of this, there are some Mishnayot which take this on. Various reasons. They say halakha like Rabbi Shimon. Very interestingly, Rambam doesn't say that. Rambam is posek like Rabbi Yehuda. Says Rambam in Perek Alaf Halakha Zayin. Kol ha'oseh melacha b'shabbat af al pishin otzichu gufa she melacha hayav alea. Ketzad. Hale shikibayt anayin pishu tzarech l'shem el-or petilak d'eshe lo yavad usho yisarefu k'eshe yibakah hashener. You extinguish the candle not because you wanted the wick, but rather you didn't want the light. Hayav. You extinguish something because you want people to get damaged by it. See, again, you're not doing it the purpose in the Mishkan. You're doing it for a different purpose. Nonetheless, Hayav. So that's very interesting how Rambam, okay, and again, almost all the Rishonim um, was posek that you are allowed, it's Hayab. It's not, it's not Patur, it's Hayab. And they discuss why he was posek like Rabbi Yehuda. It could be based on what we said last week, the some Rishonim learned, like Alachak Rabbi Shimon only Mukzeh. Okay, the Magid Mishnah deals with it, others deal with it. We're not going to go into the reason why, but you should know. Rambam stands out here against all the Rishonim. And holding the Melachash Hayab. And this makes Shabbat much more complicated for Rambam than it does for us. What's the Halakha Lema'aseh? Who would you expect Shohanarok to follow? 
Very good. Well done, Jack. So uh, you have to prepare this shield. <laughs> I want to say, if Jack wasn't here at the beginning, I want to thank Jack Kodari for actually helping me uh, with these source sheets. Thank you, Jack. So, Ushar Shiratsim eno Hayav. So, Hover Bahem. If you trap uh, certain creatures and you've got no intention using them just because you don't want them, patur, avalasur, it's patur. So Maran Bistam, he quotes the main opinion of the Rishonim, the Melacha, Shinat Sikhalukufa is patur, but he can't ignore the Rambam. He has to bring the Rambam, hayab. You need to bear that in mind, according to Rambam, hayab. And I'll tell you why he quotes this in a moment. He does this a second time in the Chochabat. In so Mishabra speaks this out, and he says the halacha follows the first opinion that it's patur, it's in the Rabbanan. Second example is in 33427. You have a call which is in a place which is going to cause danger. You can extinguish it whether it's a wooden one or a metal one. Rambam only allows you a metal one because a metal one isn't a sukh of the Torah. It's only white hot. It's not, it's not a red hot one. It's not a sukh of the Torah. But wood, even though you're doing, you're extinguishing in order to, say, protect people. So it's a melachash tchalo gufa. Rambam it's a sukh. It's a sukh on Rambam. No muta. So you see again, Maran, Bistam, he's quoting the opinions that Melachash, Tarugufah is mutar, and therefore allows you to extinguish not just metal, but also wood. Because if Hashtag Tarugufah, Bemakom, Hezek, the Rabin, danger to the public is mutar. But he, he cannot ignore the Rambam, and again he quotes the Rambam and says it's a sword. Good? Clear? So, and, that's, and the Mishnah Barah says, the next source, no source, he says, he speaks this out, everything we've said, and he says, Halakha kedarishona. And that's the consensus of the poskim. Halakha, for everyone, Ashkenazim, Faradim, Halakha follows the first opinion that Melakha is patur, not haya. Very interesting is, and I bring this because this is a really important principle in Chot Gozes, is Shohan Aruch in a third place in 314. So let's read that and you tell me what the problem is. Maran says, It's forbidden. If you pluck two hairs, two black hairs, out of your hair on Shabbat, if you pluck one white hair, by the way, out of, or it depends how much black or white hair you have. If you, major, if you have mainly black hair and you pluck out one white hair, then you have him for that one. But anyway, let's leave that for now. And he says, with which is a whole, even as so during the weekday, it's a whole discussion that today, you know, it's become the norm. Okay, it's a discussion for another time. Just quickly, this three-day age allowed it today, dying hair, because it's, it's so normal. Anyway, coming back to Maran. Maran says, you're not allowed to pluck out hairs. And if you do pluck out two hairs, you have. What's the problem with this? Good. What's the problem with this? Zoom. What's the problem with this halakha? It's obviously a contradiction. 
No, not going into the man and woman. Let's leave that. A man and woman. You can't pluck out two hairs. Leave black or white. It doesn't make a difference. Plucking out two hairs, hayah, full stop. Okay? There's a major problem here. Why in the Mishkan did they share wool? To use the wool. When you're plucking out two hairs, you're not plucking out to use the hair. This is a classical melacha sheina tzricha legufa. You're doing it for, according to sort of different purpose in the Mishkan, or according to Rashi, you're doing it to get rid of it. You're plucking out, you're taking out the two hairs. You're not doing it, seemingly not. Shohanok seemingly isn't talking about where you're taking out two hairs to use them for something. Which you're laughing, Magen Avram says this. Magen Avram is so perplexed by this contradiction, is I have to say that Shohanok is talking about where you're taking out to use them. He says, this is Melacha Shinatzal Gufa. Two other places, Maran is posek clearly, Melacha Shinatzal Gufa is Patur. So how can you tell me a Hayav? Comes on again, Avram and says, must be, you're plucking out the hairs and you're using them, that's why Hayav. If you're not using them, Patur, consistent with the other places. That's just very difficult to say. Does everyone understand the contradiction? So the Vilna Gaon is stuck. And he says, here Maran is, follow, is following Karambam. He, he's got no way out either. Magen Avram, he doesn't want to take on Magen Avram to say we're talking about you using the hairs. Vilna Gaon says there's a question. There's a question here. Uh, you have to say, the other two places he was following the other Rishonim, that Merachash and Gufa is Patur. And here is Father Rishonim, Hayav. Be'erach has not having any of this. And he, he quotes them again, Abraham, he quotes the Graham. And then he says something very important. Very important principle when it comes to the Chot Gozez. He quotes a Rivash. Rivash was one of the late Rishonim, Had Bar Shashat. He says, Melechet Geziza, Hashiva Melachal Kulama, Afilu en Sarich Rasear. The Geziza Hitabi Mishkan Shlor Tsor Hatsemel Rasear, Raketsor Haor, on Dorote Hashim. Valken Hayav Korshur Tsor Gufan, Afishon Sechisar, Melachat Halegufahi at Kanishon. Beautiful answer. And I think this is Emet Lamito. This is definitely the Pshat in Maran. And what he's saying is, is that Gozez, really, there were two types of Gozez in the Mishkan. There were two types of sharing in the Mishkan. One sharing was you share to use the wall. True here, that's not the gozes. But there's another type of gozes. Once you have the hides, you wanted to smoothen the hides. Take off, and part of the smoothing, you take off the hair. You can't have the, if you've got the hair on. So part of the process of smoothing was taking the hairs off. So therefore, just to take, just to take something away is a part of gozes. Um, it's a part of Gozez. Even when you're not using the hair, you're taking off. And therefore, Maran is consistent in all three places. Maran holds the Melacha, Sheina, Tzichale, Gufa, Me'ikar Hadin, according to Yishonim, is Patur. He quotes the Rambam, Hayab, his opinion is Patur, only the Rabbanan. In the third place, in the Chod Gozez, the reason why it's Hayab with the two hairs is not because he holds like a Rambam here, rather because here Gozez is Melacha, Tzichale, Gufa. It is necessary for the goof because you're using it for the purpose. It was done in the Mishkan. In the Mishkan, they had to smoothen the heights. And here, you're, smooth, you're taking out your hair, making your hair nice. And that's why it is going to be Now, well, there's lots more to say about this. There's two more things to say about this. What time are we going to? There's two really important things to say. I'll say them briefly. We'll do them in more detail next time. Two things to say is number one is despite the fact we are posek, it's patur, is the most hamur isur drabanan. 
It's the most severe rabbinic prohibition, which will, which will why, and I'll show you sources next time, why you will find many places where we, where we allow Isurei de Rabbanan, and we won't allow Melachash Why? What's the Sfara? What's the logic? Why do you think this is the most severe Isur de Rabbanan? Beautiful, well done. You're really on the ball. Yeah? Yeah, really on the why. The reason is very simple. Ben, Ben. Uh, Ben's saying very, very well that all the other deficiencies in Melechet Machshevet, there's a problem with the action you're doing. So I'm destroying, or I'm doing it with my left hand, doing it in a different manner, or I don't know what I'm doing. There's a, something intrinsic in the action, there's a problem in the action. So that's a real Drabbanan. Here, you're doing an identical action. The only thing which makes it Rabbanan is your thought. You're digging the ground. You're making a hole. Really? This is the Surah Torah. Why is it Rabbanan? Because you're thinking, I don't want to, use, I don't want to plant it, I want to use the earth. So that's, that's mamash, it's all in your brain. The action is an identical action. Therefore, it's the most severe and we will see examples of this. The second thing I would like you to think about is what is the difference between this and Psikreshe? What's the difference between every So we'll discuss that in greater detail next time. And we will see Mekalkel. We'll see um, through Shinui. It has to be done in a normal way. And also we'll talk about the principles of Shvut de Shvut. When do, we, when do we combine the Rabbanans and all of that? That, please God, will be discussed next time. Okay, I hope I haven't uh, gone too fast or um, lost anyone. I tried. Yeah, if you want to, yeah, we've gone at a fast pace and I, some of the concepts which we've discussed, I, I didn't elaborate completely because I expected most of us to know these concepts, but you can always enter the recording and I'm, or, or, or you can also feel free to... Um, ask on the Discord any questions with regards to the shield. Um, but we'll take questions now. Jack. Um, so the Bilal has answer about Kovet. Um, seems only fit with the reasoning of this one, actually. This is what we spent question on the second time. So Robert asked the exact same question. Very good. This only works, Robert. Well, well very good, Robin Jack. Spot on. This only works according to the spot. Excellent. Jack says the same. <laughs> the question is, is that the answer of the Rivash in the Shohan Aruch will only work on Tosfot. That the point is that you're doing the same purpose as the Mishkan. Kun to actually points to being Misalek, you're being Misalek. So the Biorachah himself points this out. The Kun to Rashi, you're being Misalek. So that's your question. This answer of the Rivash will only work on Tosfot, not on to Rashi. At the end of the day, you are being Misalek. So the Biorachah himself points this out. You're right. It only works according to Rashi, according to Tosfot. The long girl, he points, he points this out. That's well spotted. That's true. Matt, can we conclude then that the Shofnar holds like the Tosfot? Okay, you could you could do that, but there's no enough Kamin al-Alakha, I'm saying. You know, it doesn't mean make a difference. It's just, I was bringing the Shitot. You, you could do that. Does, well, it doesn't make a huge difference. Like, huh? There might be other cases like the Sarot. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry? There might be other similar cases where there might be enough, when there's enough Kamina here, so we could find... Yeah, I'm saying, problem. okay, yeah, you could, you could. Again, it's not mukhaf because you could you got the Magen you got the Vilnagon. So, you know, it's one way I've seen the Shohan Aruch. It's based on Tosfot, correct? Based on Tosfot. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? Any other questions? 
I don't think Rashi and Tosfot contradict one another. Tosfot is just adding a nuance, which Rashi would agree with if asked. Um, I'm not sure you're right. He's being coming to be Holek on Tosfot. He's going to be Holek on Rashi. If you see the Tosfot inside, he's coming to be Holek on Rashi. Um, and yeah, it's a Mahloket. Definitely Bordan is a Mahloket. You shouldn't miss different understanding. It's two different, two totally different ways of looking at it. Is the point of the Mishkan is the point? Is the point, am I doing an action which is just select, get rid of something? I, I hear what you're saying. Okay, any other questions? Fine. Next week, I'm away, Abutai. Um, so we'll catch up sometime, but it won't be next Monday night. I'll be so, so the next class for the Habura will be this Wednesday and the following Wednesday. And then we'll resume in two weeks' time, Monday. It'll give you a chance to revise, to go over what we've learned over the last two shiurim. There's lots to take on. As I said, as I said, everything which we're learning now, if you master these two shiurim and another two shiurim, you've got 75% of the Chochabat. I know, you know, it sounds very easy to say. The Chochabat takes three years to learn. But, uh, but the principle, when you have the principles, everything is just fitting in the principles with that. Koltuv. Bye, everyone. Okay. Bye.